And hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of World Hockey Report. Here on this Thursday, May the 26th, two playoff games on tap tonight, one last night, and one tomorrow still as well. We got a lot to get to here on WHR here today, guys. We are live once again inside the Pro Rock Studios, the inside of the insiders. Tyler Kuehl here, your host for this Thursday edition of WHR. Thank you all very much, by the way, for joining us here on this little adventure on what is shaping up to be a pretty fun show, not just because of the games we're going to talk about, not just because of some news we're going to talk about, but we've got a couple of awesome guests to come on. I'll tell you guys those here in just a moment. Uh, first of all, if you are watching us on the Twitter, thank you very much, of course, at 12 Ounce Sports and at World Hockey RPT. Thank you very much for that, guys. Make sure to follow us on there as well on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Yeah, that's right. And Facebook at World Hockey RPT. And also, if you're watching on the Hockey Podcast Network and or 12 Ounce Sports, be sure to get involved. Jump in the chat. We're going to do a little Q&A this first hour because in hour two, we have Sportsnet Hockey Night in Canada's Kyle Bacoskis coming up at 2 o'clock local time, 4 o'clock Eastern time. And then Nick Alberga from NHL Freelance Broadcaster does a lot of fantasy betting, all that sort of good stuff. Friend of my, friend of, friend of my old show that I used to do, Nick Alberga. So a couple good Canadian boys. Jumping on the program here on this Thursday. Shout out Bentley Kent, getting first into the chat. Uh, Sad Yehaz, also getting there as well. Jeff Nelson, what a great playoffs in hockey. Best thing going. Thank you very much, Mr. Jeff. So, what else we got to talk about today? Well, big win for St. Louis last night. They hang on. Their series continues. We'll talk about that a little bit with Mr. Alberga, as well as previewing with him Game 5 tonight of the Battle of Alberta. Can the Oilers do the thing and win this series already? Now, yes, I'm pretty sure some Oilers fans from the 80s are saying, well, we used to do that to them all the time, except that year with Steve Smith. Listen, I know not all of you Edmontonians sound like that. I'm just going with what what I would, you know, if I were to mock someone would say that. But no, it's going to be an interesting game tonight. We'll talk about it with Nick. And then with Kyle, we'll get into what happened in the Battle of Florida. I know we talked about it on Tuesday with Matt Vistavez. But we're going to get into a little bit more because, A, Kyle was there, number one. And, two, Tampa's getting ready to take on either the Rangers and the Canes. We'll preview their Game 5 tonight, that series, deadlocked at two as well. So this is going to be an exciting game, an exciting set of games here. I know, yes, Tampa's been waiting in the wings. We thought Colorado was going to be waiting in the wings tonight or today after Possibly winning last night. My gosh, Nathan McKinnon literally trying to do it all by himself, but not doing so. So that is what we'll get into throughout the show today. Also, we'll talk a little about the World Championships, some women's hockey news that we didn't get time to talk about on Tuesday, but still kind of relevant here today as well. But guys, I got to remind you that it is Stanley Cup playoff time. Well, duh, Tyler, you just said that. Well, the reason why I say that, guys, because if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase when you go to either Rogers Place or uh, Scotiabank Saddledome if they go back for a Game 7, or, I mean, I guess you could still somehow try to buy tickets if they're not sold out. PNC, Random Mass Square Garden, wherever you want to go, sign up for SeatGeek and use the promo code WHR when checking out. It's simple on SeatGeek. When you use the promo code WHR on your first first purchase, using the promo code WHR, you'll save $20. So, I guess I will talk about that, all that more coming up. So like I said, jump in the chat, guys. Get us your questions. Jeff Nelson, right away, he's in on it hard. 
Jeff Nelson, which I believe, well, Jeff Nelson, I'm sure you're not the only Jeff Nelson out there, but uh, Jeff Nelson, who actually used to play for the Grand Rapids Griffins in my neck of the woods, uh, brother of former Edmonton Oilers head coach. There's my connection there, Todd Nelson. So pretty sure it's not the same one. If it is, cool, awesome. <laughs> what, what do you think the Blues chances are the rest of the way? That's a good way to start this one off here, Jeff. I, Man, I really thought they were done last night. The way game four went, how literally they just focused on Nazem Kadri. Like it was like game 67 of a regular season. Hey, we don't need to win tonight. Let's just go after the goon that allegedly hit our goaltender. Even though, let's be honest, they should be going after Callie Rosen. But that's a story for a different time. But I really, but they came out and they came out pretty flat. And by came out flat, I mean Nathan McKinnon made sure they came out flat because he ran them over in that first period. And I really thought St. Louis was toast, right? Like I thought this one was over. I thought they were gonzo. But yet they were able to stay stay the course. Tarasenko scores. And then you get the goal from, oh, who's, uh, was it Buchnevich? Buchnevich on the second goal. And then Jordan Cairo credited with the goal, even though Justin Falk was one of the put in the back of the net to tie it. Then McKinnon scores that highlight real goal. Then no, oh, Robert Thomas. That's right, because Robert Thomas scored twice. And then of all people, Tyler Bozak, University of Denver product, former Toronto Maple Leaf Stanley Cup champion, of course, Tyler Bozak with the game winner in overtime. I really think St. Louis, it's going to get a lot of momentum because now they're going back to St. Louis tomorrow night. And Enterprise Center... It can get loud. I'm not going to say it's a, a hostile barn to play in, but it's it's it can be tough. And you know the Blues fans. I know a lot of good folks down there. They are going to be getting a little excited. Uh, Jeff, where am I streaming from? Well, I am streaming from Grand Rapids, Michigan. I am. I'm actually that's where I'm at. I'm that's where I'm from. Um, you see the Toronto Six shirt I wear. Yes, I cheer for Canadian sports teams, uh, which is why I'm a little kind of I'm pretty excited of how things went in the World Championships today. Canada beating Sweden, but we'll get to that a little bit later on in the opening hour. He also says, Jeff Nelson, I just love this type of hockey. Just awesome. Playoff hockey is the best. Beats all other sports in playoffs. I try to get Blues tickets for tomorrow's game. 400 bucks. Wow. 400 bucks. Hey, Cal, that's 400 bucks to go to a St. Louis Blues playoff game. Man, I would have gone to see that because I think it's like, what, 600 bucks for a Toronto Maple Leafs game or an Edmonton game right now? 400 bucks sounds nice. (laughs) I tell you what. Oh, I was saying that this guy here says it was only 400 bucks for Blues tickets for the playoffs. I was started laughing because I'm a, you know, we you know want to go to a Leafs game or whatever. How bad it could be sometimes. Or even I'm pretty sure I didn't even want to look at what prices are for tonight's game between Calgary and Edmonton at the Dome in Calgary, the Scotiabank Saddle Dome, which is still standing. I'm glad it is. Uh, THPN huge show today. Yeah, that's right. Hockey Podcast Network huge say send your questions in the chat. That's what they say. And that's what I say. I, I think that's how you do it. But what, hon? My, my wife's chirping at me through the door right now. Nobody, nobody's asking what you look like, hon. She's in a robe right now, so probably that's why nobody wants to see that. <laughs> Starting off strong here on World Hockey Report. Sorry, I've had had three cups of coffee today. Um, <laughs> let's uh, let's get to so one of the the question of the day. One of the questions that we posted earlier today. We actually speaking of Jeff Nelson and the St. Louis Blues. The question was, for all hockey fans out there, do you like it when you either see your local team or someone else's local team just absolutely go mute and go full one-sided homer, whatever you want to call it, when the other team scores a goal? And the, the video we posted was the Colorado radio feed 
from when Robert Thomas scored the tying goal last night. And I know there's a lot of great broadcasters out there. I, I don't know what it is with Colorado's broadcasters. Like Mark Mosen's one of those guys too. And I'm just, I don't get it. But because if you listen to it, it's on our Twitter page at World Hockey RPT. And it's pretty much them just going angry. Like, like you got like one, I forgot who the color guy is for their radio feed, but he goes, you gotta be kidding me. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm a play-by-play guy myself. I've done color commentary for big events and for both four teams and neutral as well. And I, I feel like if you're at the National Hockey League, there should be a certain level of professionalism. And yes, I know there's going to be the huge Jack Edwards debate here. And any I know there's a lot of people in Boston that love that man to death. Even though I know some people in Boston that don't like him as well. However, that select is a very select group in New England. But I've never liked it. I've never liked a guy that's gotten super down. Because I remember there was one game. It was Boston versus Colorado, which was just kind of hilarious. But Boston won the game in overtime. And Colorado's broadcasters just went, scores. It's over. Patrice Bergeron, I think Bergeron scored. And it's like, and it just went completely like down, bombed out. And I'm just like, ah, I don't know. Come on. You know, I, I feel like if you get to that level, the National Hockey League, the world's best league, that you should have some form of professionalism too. Well, yes, you work for a team. You work for a team. That you should be allowed to, that you should be able to recognize that there's another team. I call it SEC football. If anyone's ever listened to Southeastern Collegiate or Southeastern Conference football, college football, it's very one sided. Like, just complete, like, you know, my team, you know, roll tide. It's all roll tide. And, you know, you cheer for their team and that's it. And then if, like, you know, if Auburn scores, it's, oh my gosh, Auburn scores. Like, it's, like the end of the world. I never liked that at all. So when I hear it in a hockey game, I get, I don't want to say I get offended, but I'm like, you got to have more. That's why I like guys. And yes, he's one of my favorites. I like Joe Bowen. And actually Ken Cal in Detroit does that a little bit. Is pretty good at that as, as well. And, you know, some guys are pretty close to the line there, but like Joe Bowen is a Toronto Maple Leafs fan calling Toronto Maple Leafs games. That said, he recognizes when the other team scores. And he recognizes the other team on the ice. And we'll give them props when necessary. Ken Cowell's a similar way. I am trying to think of some others off the top of my head. Typically, I don't want to say Rick. Rick Ball's pretty good, too. There's a few others. Um, I can't remember Florida's guy. I, uh, I, Florida, The Florida Panthers radio play-by-play guy. If any of you guys can help me out there, I was going to try to look it up. But there's another one. Like I like guys that are, are both you know, good at, you know, propping up their team, the team they work for 100%. That's their gig. But like belittling another team by, you know, not giving them props when it's necessary. I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. That's, that's not my cup of tea. So, but I'd love to hear what you guys say. Be sure to jump in the chat or throw them in the comments below here on World Hockey Report on this Thursday. Let's get to some news here while we wait for you to chuck on your questions into that chat. The uh, first one that's kind of interesting for me, I'm a, like I said, I'm a women's hockey buff. I, I love watching the Premier Hockey Federation, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association Dream Gap Tour, Women's World Championships, what have you. I'm excited for the upcoming Women's Under 18s. That's going to be in Madison, Wisconsin in June next month. Yeah, it's coming up uh, actually in a couple weeks. 
The Professional Women's Hockey Players Association is teaming up with Billie Jean King Enterprises and the Mark Walter Group to form a new league. Now, this is something I've talked about in the past. Actually, it's something I've actually talked about on this show when I was a guest with uh, with Cody Jansen before. And it's a big deal because the, the details of the league have been released and what they plan to do. They want to have a league that starts a season in January. They want to have a season that starts off, you know, pretty strong and... And, ha- and it has some excitement to it, and also pays well. Fifty-five grand is going to be the alleged average salary, with the minimum, the minimum that a player can get paid in this proposed league of the PWHPA, is thirty-five thousand dollars. Now, I don't know about a lot of you, but thirty-five thousand dollars doesn't sound like oh, it's not a livable wage. Well, <laughs> hey, media guy here, that sounds pretty nice. And yes, there's going to be players that get paid more than fifty-five grand and what have you. But to my point is that. This is going to be a professional women's league where players are getting paid full-time livable wages. And when the details came out, there was it was trying to figure out, you know, where's this money coming from? It's sponsorship dollars. And, and you know, the plan was that they were going to start next season. Now, from what I've heard to the grapevine through some other people, that might not be the case. They're close, but it might not be a good time to pull the trigger for next season unless they do it pretty quickly. I have a whole theory on what they should do, but unfortunately, or maybe fortunately for the sake of the league, I'm not the one making the decisions there because I have a couple ideas, but it's a big thing getting with Billie Jean King, who has been an actual proponent of the PWHPA for years now. I mean, if you guys remember when the PWHPA played at Madison Square Garden, she was there at the event, promoted the event, dropped the ceremony, puck, had this rousing speech for women's hockey. It was awesome. So now that they have the support from both her and BJK Enterprises, as well as the Mark Walter Group, there is a financial plan put in place to make sure this league works effectively. Uh, Larry Scott and Ilya Kloss are, or Ilana Kloss, excuse me, are helping head the group. And uh, by the way, Larry Scott is also the former Pac-12 commissioner, so he's got an idea on how to run big corporations and big leagues, if you will. He ran a, you know, a Power Five NCAA conference and. You know, I think he's got the qualifications to help run a professional women's league. This is a professional hockey league in general. So I'm really excited to see what that is moving forward. Yes, I know I'm saying this while I'm wearing a PHF shirt. Once again, I I don't like the divide. I don't like the divide between the two parties. But you know what? It means more hockey to watch. At one time there, you could watch both the NHL and the WHA. What's the WHA, kids? Look at the logo down below here. Imagine an A instead of an R. That's exactly what the World Hockey Association looked like. So, but let's get to some other news going around here. The So, some tough news for the Washington Capitals. Tom Wilson, who missed pretty much the entire series against the Florida Panthers with an injury, has now been announced that he's going to be out for six to eight months. There was a audible yell and cheer from my wife from the other room hearing about Tom Wilson. Now, yes, I know that everyone has some hard feelings about Tom Wilson. I myself, I've had my discussions with Tom Wilson. Uh, Jeff Nelson, you actually have a little Canadian accent. Um, I'll get to that here in a second, Jeff, if you remind me about that, because I actually have a good little thing on that. A little little side story, a little, little tangent will go on there. But hearing about Tom Wilson, it's an ACL tear, has to get surgery on it, six to eight months, which means he's going to miss the start of the next regular season. And the Capitals, like this was a year that we kind of saw this team show that they are getting older. 
And while they have guys, you know, in their system, you know, Alexia Protest, Connor McMichael, and um, Hendrix Lot, not Hendrix Lapierre. Um, my goodness, can't think of the kid's name all of a sudden. Oh, Hendrix Lapierre, right? No, yes. The the guy who scored the first goal. Oh gosh, Kelly Payton's in the chat. <laughs> Payton is in the chat. Payton Turnage uh, in the chat right now. Roll hockey report. Payton's an old buddy of mine. Uh, broadcasting colleague and uh, Peyton Sellers. Aren't you supposed to be working, Peyton? Uh, I love Tom Wilson, Mean Girl Hockey. He is awesome. I I will say this, uh, Mean Girl Hockey. I would love Tom Wilson to be on my team. The problem is, is that I think I have more of a problem with how the NHL Department of Player Safety has handled Tom Wilson over the years, more or less than Tom Wilson himself. So I, I would love to get uh, a little bit of a... I think it's more one of those things where I would like to see more out of the department player safety. But long story short, Tom Wilson being out for a while, that's going to hurt. And there's also whispers that Nicholas Backstrom might need to be possibly might need some surgery as well. It hasn't been really specified uh, what kind of, I don't know what the word is here. I, I haven't really been specified. Of course, he missed the beginning of the season with a hip surgery, was recovering from his hip surgery. I hope that's not the case because Backstrom, obviously, with Connor Mc, with Connor Michael, with Alexander Ovechkin, that's the big one-two punch. And of course, Alexander Ovechkin going after the the big, I guess you can say, like well, he's going after Gretzky, and Nicholas Backstrom's a big part of that. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be tough for the Capitals. The goaltending situation there needs to be fixed as well, if you ask me, because if if they don't have that they're they're going to be in trouble because that's what we kind of saw. Ilya Samsonov could not bail them out. Um, he couldn't bail out. I mean, he's, yeah, he's going against Sergei Bobrovsky and arguably one of the best offenses in the league's history, let alone the fact, you know, let alone this season, like in 20-some-odd years. That's how good the Florida Panthers were this year. So Capitals got a lot of work to do. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Uh, quick thing on the Canadian accent. Uh, Jeff, it's so I actually lived in Canada for a little bit, and I mean a little, little bit. I didn't, uh, didn't do, didn't, wasn't there as long as I wanted to. I was in Western Ontario. I played senior A there for a little bit in Lucknow, one of the, my favorite towns I've ever been in. And it was what? What excuse? Oh, how my Canadian accent is. Well, I was telling him how I lived in Lucknow. Well, Jeff thinks I do. Jeff thinks I does. <laughs> I can't speak English. Clearly, I can speak Canadian, not English. Um, Canadians don't have accents. Mean Girl Hockey. I I would say go to Alberta. There, go be at Mean Girl Hockey. It's it's pretty crazy. I I'll say this: like where I lived in Ontario was a very. It, the more north you go in Ontario, it's like the more south in the United States you get. It's very thick. So. Kelly is trying to explain linguistics to me, but it's not going to work at all. But yeah, so that's the reason why I say about house. I say hockey. I don't say hacky. I'm not one of those. Um, But anyways, while she's still trying to bark at me through the door. (laughs) um, Hi, I sub the beer sports, whatever podcast. Uh Oh, do we have a dog coming in here today? We got. Oh, my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, if I can get over. Come here, Wixie. Wixie, come here. Wixie, come here. Oh, she's not. She's shy. Is Wixie all shy? Okay, I have I have a little dog, and I have a dog who's named after Haley Wickenheiser, who is the, well, I 
she's my favorite women's hockey player of all time. Unfortunately, I can't say she's the greatest because Marie-Philippe Poulin has pretty much blown that out of the water in the last five years. So, yeah, no, it's it's kind of a... So that's why I'm, she's been on the other shows that I've been on before. Anyways, getting totally off track here. Can you leave me alone and let me do my job? <laughs> um, we have something we also didn't talk about on Tuesday that kind of developed over the weekend. John Tortorella. Ready for this, guys? John Tortorella in discussions with the Philadelphia Flyers. Isn't that kind of crazy? Jeff, Jeff Nelson says, do you think Don Trail will be back somewhere? I sure hope so. That was a bridge that was not burned, Jeff Nelson. That was a bridge that had nuclear devices underneath it and ex- just blew it right up. And man, it was that was a uh, it was tough. I I, I really think I, I'd like to. I mean, I, I like Don Cherry. I grew up on him. You know, he was. I have all the Rockham Sockums there. I, I I think Don. Unfortunately, at the end, he was getting too much. Right. And I know there was a lot of stuff he said back in the 90s and 80s that was probably just as bad as what he said that led him to getting fired by Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet. At the same token, though, you know, he was getting to that point anyway. So I understand why he got cast aside. I mean, he still got his podcast that he's doing and, you know, good for him. He's still plugging away. And there's still a lot of people that cheer for him. And, you know, and I I can't say why not. You know, the guy is a hockey legend. And, did it end kind of sour? Sure. Didn't end as bad as Jimmy the Greek, but that's a different story for a different time. But uh, Jeff Nelson, I once met him in a dollar store. He was very kind. Man, I, I would love to have met Don Cherry. Also, seeing Don Cherry in normal clothes, I think, would be the weirdest thing ever, too. Like, I've seen him wear, like, the the sport jackets, like the windsuits they wear as coaches, because, I you know, hey, I've watched all the Rock'em Sock'em's, especially when he coached the old Mississauga Ice Dogs, so I remember those guys, so... It'd always be weird to see him in pedestrian clothing, not the the very flamboyant suits. Before I get into more sidetrack, let's shoo, back to John Tortorella here. John Tortorella, who is, thank goodness, by the way, that he's not actually one of the analysts during the Stanley Cup playoffs, because I think I'd lose my mind. John Tortorella, who's been out of a job since getting fired by the Columbus Blue Jackets shortly, was it during the 21, 21 season? I think it was during last season he got fired. And I just, I think his... His era of coaching has ended. You know, he ran his course. He had some good runs with some good teams. Had some great years in New York. Obviously won a Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning back in 04. But wouldn't this be the most Philadelphia Flyers thing ever to bring back John Tortorella? For a a fan base, for an ownership group, a general managership that just finds ways to to bring in players and just do whatever they think will actually work, even though it might not work. Like, is it, I don't know. I, I don't think Tortorella is a good fit to coach in the NHL. And I'm talking anywhere. This is not, you know, just Philadelphia. This is not if you went back to Columbus or wherever. I just don't think he works in today's game. I don't think he's his game is ever his his way he's coached is adjusted. That's why literally in Columbus, Pierre-Luc Dubois had to be traded because he couldn't stand it. Patrick Laine didn't work under John Tortorella because, hey, guess what? He wanted he wanted to turn a goal scorer into a defensive forward. I'm sorry, kids. That's not how things work. You you can turn good players into two-way players. Talked about Steve Eisman quite a bit with Matthew Estevez on Tuesday. However, Patrick Laine is not that kind of guy. You can't just completely do a 180 on a player like that. Uh, Soul the Great says, hi. Hi, Soul the Great. And so I don't understand what the... The appeal is for John Tortorella 
coming back to the NHL. Like I said, though, it would be the most Philadelphia Flyers thing ever. Mean Girl Hockey says Gritty is getting a PTO with the Flyers in September. Listen, if you don't want to lose Gritty in Philadelphia, don't bring back John Tortorella because that are because you know Tortorella is just going to he, pro- he probably hates Gritty now, let alone if he actually coach for the team that Gritty is a part of. I mean, my goodness, guys, we, we might be having issues. That, that would be the problem. Not, you know, Kevin Hayes having a problem with John Tortorella. It'd be Gritty and John Tortorella. That'd be the headline news in the, in the Philadelphia Inquirer every single day over there. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, it'd be an interesting move for sure. Before we go any further, guys, I got to remind you that the Stanley Cup playoffs means the WHR OT Challenge is back. That's right. And we're presented this year by Player. So whenever a playoff game goes to overtime, you have to hop on Twitter and pick your goal scorers using the hashtag WHROTChallenge to be entered to win an awesome World Hockey Report prize pack exclusively from player. Hammer down on hashtag WHROTChallenge to win. Now, how many of you picked Tyler Bozak last night? The answer, I guarantee you, is none. Nobody picked Tyler Bozak last night to win for the St. Louis Blues, right? That's got to be the case. I mean, listening back to that game, I was watching it back this morning, too, just to kind of get a feeling for what actually happened. It just the way it was, because it just seemed like Colorado was just thrusting themselves all over St. Louis. And like I said, we'll get to it here in about an hour time with Nick Alberga when we look at the Western Conference playoffs with him. In a little over half hour's time, though, guys, don't worry. We will have good old Kyle Bacoskis from Hockey Night in Canada. He was down covering the Battle of Florida, ringside reporter Kyle Bacoskis. We'll talk to him about that. The Bolts, and of course, the series of the Rangers and Canes. And also, yes, we'll talk about the Leafs. Covers them quite a bit as well. we got to get what the feeling is in Leafs land right now because it's been a couple days, been a few days. It's uh, Soul the Great says, I'm an upset Leafs fan because no Stanley Cup in 55 years and no making it past the first round in 20 years. Almost 20 years. But to your point, you're right there, Soul the Great. Uh, Jeff Nelson says, I spent two and a half years in Canada selling non-alcoholic beer. How do you think that worked out? but did get to see Canada blessed. Hashtag blessed Jeff Nelson was selling non-alcoholic beer. Did you have to say it was alcoholic beer and just to see how disappointed they were when they realized it wasn't? Like that, that would be the, that'd be the best way to sell non-alcoholic beer, right? Like you have to like hide the O'Doul's label or whatever, or whatever else you sell. But no, there there's probably some, some good stuff there. So some other news, uh, a lot of stuff coming out of the Florida Panthers end of the year, the locker room clean out after getting swept by the Florida Panthers. And we'll probably touch on this a little bit more, too, with Kyle later. But Joe Thornton says he's unsure about his future. And, you know, man, that guy's been around for so long, right? 97 draft pick, the first overall pick. I mean, I was I was two years old when that guy was drafted. To make anyone else feel old right now, let's be honest here. And Andrew Burnett says he wants to stay coach as the Florida Panthers. I would be, I, I would, I mean, he's a Jack Adams Award nominee for a reason, right? Uh, Jeff Nelson says, Soul, I feel your pain, bro, but a diehard fan is just hard to beat. That is true. Yeah, I mean, if if you're cheering, if you're pulling for something, like being a member of the media is fun because you get to watch everything. You're like, ooh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Ooh, that sucks. Being a fan, though, is like, it's the awful roller coaster. And, and the more I've gotten into this, the less and less I've been super attached to some teams. I mean, I, I will say this. I'm a big Michigan Wolverines guy, so that's probably where literally where this past year when we got killed in the national championship semifinal, I, that was a rough way to bring in the new year. So, but to your point, yes, being a diehard fan makes everything entertaining. Big Toronto FC guy here. I will say that. Um, I do have my, my, my allegiances to football. I yes, real football. Sorry. 
I don't, yeah, I don't call it gridiron football. I call it real football. The uh, Toronto FC, Manchester United. I'm all those fans for, for those, for those respective leagues. Uh, be sure to keep bringing those chats, uh, bring jumping in the chat, bringing those questions in here, guys. And also be sure to drop some questions as well if you have any questions for Kyle Bacoskis and or Nick Alberga when they come up here in hour two in a little over half hour's time. Uh, game's coming up tonight, by the way, which we will talk about later on. 7 o'clock, Game 5, Carolina Hurricanes, New York Rangers, PNC Arena, where the Canes have yet to lose in these playoffs. However, they have just completely been unable to win on the road, but we'll talk about that a little bit more as well. Obviously, Game 5, Battle of Alberta. Who are you guys picking to win this one tonight? Do the Oilers get it done? Do they make it look like 1988 and knocking out the Flames before it even gets started? Or do the Flames hold on and force a Game 6 Saturday night? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, look at the World Championships. How many of you guys have been watching this? Guys and gals have been watching this. I have, I, I've been following. I was able to watch it when I was in Mauritius last week because I was in an area where I could watch the free live streams on IIHF.com. But right now, we have some good games. A lot of great games today already. Czechia knocks off Germany, and this is quarterfinal action, by the way. Czechia, led by David Krejci, wins 4-1 over Germany. Canada comes back from a 3-0 deficit down. Drake Batherson, the overtime winner over Sweden. And by the way, William Nylander, speaking about the Leafs, William Nylander looking out like number 88 Eric Lindros out there overseas. You guys see this, how physical he's playing in Finland? Interesting to see if he brings that to the NHL game next year. Right now in the third period, Finland just went up on Slovakia. They're up uh, 4-2 now. 4-2 now, goals from... Uh, Sakari Manonen. Oh my gosh, Manonen. I love that guy. He's, he's one of the, I saw him in the world juniors a couple years ago. Fantastic player. Uh, Saku Manonen, Manonen, I believe that's how you say his name, <laughs> scored the empty net goal. So they actually get the job done to Finland. They will move on to the semifinals. The other game, U.S. right now up on the team that finished the top of their group. Shockingly, Switzerland right now, U.S. though, with two goals from Ben Myers, lead 3-0 late in this one. They'll be moving on as well to the semifinals, which could shape up to be a possibly a Canada-U.S. game, I believe, in the semis. We'll have to wait and see. So a lot of great stuff going on in the World Championships. Fun games, exciting games. I love the World Championships because sometimes it's a bit of a crapshoot. You know, see who's actually there and how good teams actually are. Jeff Nelson says, yeah, no one in St. Louis expecting Bozak to score. You guessed it, though. It was O'Doul's. I'm talking about the non-alcoholic beer. I must say it's the best tasting one on the market. Cutter Sharps in just awful. I'll be honest with you, Jeff. I've never had a non-alcoholic beer before. I don't know what it is. I, I just am not a big fan of it. Uh, Soul the Great dropping something here. We'll talk about with Kyle for sure. I think the Leafs should trade Justin Hall, William Nylander, and Peter Mrazek. Now, that's going to be interesting. I, Willie, of course, of the top of the big four forwards, if you will, Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander has the most affordable contract to trade. So maybe Sold the Great is onto something here. Mrazek, though, I don't know if you can if you can trade a goaltender for the contract he's making that can't keep his groin in one piece. And Justin Hall, I don't know what you can get for him. I I, I remember when Justin Hall was at the Marlies. And I remember watching him a couple times in Grand Rapids, and I said to myself, "Holy cow! Look at this guy! Just he—he he was a float. He was a floating ringer. He just skated around wherever he wanted to." And of course, that was when Sheldon Keith was the coach with the Marlies as well, and he let him do that. And for some reason, I—I just—I don't understand how his game. I mean, yes, when he first came up to the NHL and became a full-time NHLer, Babcock was the coach and really limited what he could do. But even since Sheldon Keefe has taken over, it just seems like Hall has not, Justin Hall has not had that confidence 
that he had when he was in the American League. And I'm not saying that he was a, a great American leaguer that couldn't turn as an NHL defenseman, because at one point we all thought he would be a great NHL defenseman. It just hasn't worked out. Jeff Nelson says, I've been to the big house several times. Unreal, what a venue. That It is a wonderful venue. My wife, who's actually a Michigan State fan, she's been there. She went. We went to a game uh, against Rutgers last season, and it was... It was a it was it was a horrible game. Michigan Michigan played horrible, but the game itself, the event, tailgating the whole day, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was exciting. But uh, other things to talk about here. You guys ready for this? This may be a good way to get a little discussion going here. By the way, thank you all very much for jumping in the chat and following us at World Hockey RPT. This is a a kind of a, a funny little story here. So Yarmer Yager, who recently got into a car accident is getting ready to play possibly another season next year. The NHL, If you go to NHL.com, this article just came out uh, earlier today, I believe it was, from Michael Langer, who is the Czech senior independent correspondent for NHL.com, said he's looking forward to playing for his Yager's team that he owns, Kladno, in the Czech Republic. Yager is 50 years old. He is half a century years old, and I, I guess you can say he's like the modern-day Gordie Howe, because I really think that, you know... He's a guy that can play forever, if, especially in the Czech two league, right? And I, I knew there was a story a couple of years ago that came out that said that if he ever did not, like if he stopped playing, like all of his sponsors would go away because Yarmer Yager is not there. Because Yager, despite his age, despite the fact that he's played for almost 35 seasons now, it's the fact that, you know, if he's not there, no one's going to go to the games. So I, it's so funny because that guy's been... He's gone through so much, and he's he's left the NHL, came back to the NHL, is one of the top scorers in the history of the league. Uh, B. Strange says, my birthday is on Saturday. Well, happy early birthday to B. Strange. Uh, Jeff Nelson says, I bet the oxymoron, if you th- it's the, the best oxymoron if you think about it. The, what, the big house? What? No, no, no. That's not, I don't know if that's exactly what he's going at here. Uh, F. Habs from last year, well, Soul the Great says that. that. I'm sure it's talking about how the Habs last year came back from a 3-1 deficit against the Toronto Maple Leafs, which is why I would say to Calgary fans out there, there is a chance. Now, granted, I think that happening to the Leafs last year was strictly the the playoff woes for the Leafs, let alone, I mean, not exactly what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers. Getting on in the chat, everyone here. Thank you all very much. I'm going to be 22, Be Strange. 22 years old. Thank you for making me feel old, Be Strange. I'm, I'm saying myself, I'm 27 years old, and I thought I was 22 yesterday, but no, nope, I can not anymore. They make me feel like an old fart, and that's not because of the fact I wake up at five o'clock in the morning anymore, drinking three cups of coffee to get through the day. No, nope, that's that's just uh, some things are just odd indeed. <laughs> um, but. Uh, BC Hockey Podcast, what a beauty. What's up, Tyler? What's up, BC Hockey Podcast? Those guys are pretty uh, pretty bored right now. No hockey going on in British Columbia. I'm just kidding, you guys. Plenty of going on in the Western League right now, the Western Hockey League. Uh, you know what's funny? I actually saw, I forgot what goal it was from the Edmonton Oil Kings and their series against the Winnipeg Ice. I forgot who scored the goal, but it actually made Sports Center here in the United States, right? Like it, it, the funny thing was, was that I was just, I have it on the, the gym I work out at. It's always on in the morning. The sports center is. And, and I, you know, with, with the enhanced coverage of hockey here in the United States, typically we've seen more hockey highlights. So when I see this broadcast at the, it was at Rogers place, 
Is because you see the Edmonton Oilers emblem on the ice. I'm like, wait a second, isn't Edmonton in Calgary right now? Like they played last night. I'm like, what are they doing in Edmonton? What old highlight is this? But I look closer. I'm like, oh, it's the Oil Kings. And I'm like, huh, look at that. The Western League getting some love stateside. I mean, yes, there are the Everett Silver Tip, the Tri City Americans, uh, Portland Winterhawks. I feel like I'm missing one here. Seattle Thunderbirds. Like there is actually there's a U.S. division uh, in the WHL. But I just found it very funny though that that Canadian teams. Not even related. I mean, Winnipeg Ice and Edmonton Oil Kings getting love by American networks. Maybe maybe they're turning things around down here for the better. Uh, Be Strange, what is your favorite song to sing? Ooh, I'd love to hear everyone else's thoughts on this because I have a lot. Uh, Kelly's Kelly's is Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. She made sure she told me that. Uh, Soul of the Great says, I'm graduating from university in two weeks. Nice. Where are you graduating from, Soul of the Great? There are a lot of good schools up there. I almost... Believe it or not, I actually almost applied for Ryerson. Obviously, you know, being a media guy, that probably would have paid off. And, you know, certainly who knows what would have happened after that. But, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff uh, from the schools up there. I know a lot of people that went to Western. Uh, my boy Cody, Cody Rusin, goes, went to Windsor. He's with the broadcasters of the Lancers. And Soul the Greats, BC Hockey Podcast, congrats, Soul, and happy birthday to Be Strange. Thank you guys for all jumping in the chat here at World Hockey RPT is where you can follow us and be sure to follow the good friends of the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet. And of course, our good friends at 12 Ounce Sports as well at 12 Ounce Sports. If you don't know what it is, it's the number one, number two, OZ and sports. It's pretty, pretty cut and dry if you ask me. But like I said, in a little over 20 minutes time, we're going to have good guy, Kyle Bacoskis come on, and then in the second half of Hour 2, Nick Alberga to come on. We'll be talking about the games a little bit more. Uh, Ontario National University. Is that what it's called now, Sol? Someone told me that Ryerson changed its name, and I can't remember if I was actually uh, if it was actually true or not. Uh, B. Strange graduated in 2018. Congratulations to him. Uh, Sodapod, the man, the myth, the legend. The Sodapod. Uh, man, I tell you, a lot of great stuff today. Let's, um, while we all have, why have you all here? Let's get into a little bit of what happened two nights ago. Kind of help tee up the games a little bit tonight. Like I said, we'll do this more an hour or two as well with Kyle and Nick. But Carolina. Carolina and New York. The Carolina for me is what is the Carolina Hurricanes? Is there some sort of kryptonite that is stuck to their plane or the bus they travel in or in their travel bags? Because for some reason, the Carolina Hurricanes look unbeatable. They look like the 1978 Montreal Canadiens. They look like the 1959 Montreal Canadiens. I know I'm saying Montreal Canadiens because those were two of the biggest dynasties in history. They look like the 1982 New York Islanders. How about that? We'll go with another dynasty, an American dynasty. But they look like those great teams at PNC Arena in Raleigh. And then they just leave the arena, and for some reason, it just just goes away. Anything that they have built there, all three games in Boston, down the pooper. So far, two games at MSG, down the pooper. Thankfully, they come back home for game five tonight, and now, obviously, statistically and analytically, have a great chance to win at home to take the series lead once again. But then we're going to go back to game six in Madison Square Garden, and I don't know what to expect out of the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, Antti Ranta has been playing great. And I remember there was a lot of people going a little hay- haywide sire. Uh, let's see. Who talks with their hands more, Tyler or Neil? Um, well, listen, I, 
I, I have to talk with my hands. I'm literally Ricky Bobby. I don't know what to do with my hands when I'm talking. I'd have to like staple them to my hands. Um, I was on the live stream with Neil on the outdoor game. Oh, that's cool. Way to go. Sold a great. That's awesome. Um, but I, I myself, like I'm trying to think about the Carolina hurricanes here. Ron's has been great. Freddie Anderson, I know is on the trip and he seems close to being coming back, but I, you don't play him. You don't play a guy like Freddie Anderson at this point, but I, I just, I don't know why that the Carolina hurricanes can't win on the road. Uh, Soda Pod says nothing but love, buddy. Well, thank you, Soda Pod. Great show, Soda Pod, by the way. Uh, Isha Jerome, Romy, and State of Hoppy doing a great show over there. Love talking to those guys. Love to have Hoppy on uh, during this. Unfortunately, he's a big boy. He's unlike some of us. He actually has a job. You know, one of those real, you know, things that people get paid to do. I, I, I'm, I'm not for that sort of thing. I like, I like making nothing. My wife's a nurse, so it really helps out a lot. So I guess that works out for everybody. Yep, she heard that too. I thought I soundproofed these walls. I guess I didn't do that enough. Uh, Be strange. What is your favorite movie? Is it wrong? Is it is it okay? Is it PC to say Slapshot anymore? Like I I I still love it. I still love Slapshot. Let me know what you guys think. What's your favorite movie? We could go into favorite hockey movies, but we probably couldn't get it done by the time we have Kyle Bukowski's on here at the top of the hour at two. And man, I tell you what, my yeah, Slapshot's probably my favorite movie because it's just. It is out of 1977, and I mean, Star Wars certainly is up there as well for me. Uh, Soul of the Great says The Mighty Ducks. I can agree with that as well. Um, oh, boy, we might have someone to call in here. Hold on a second here. Do we have an impromptu caller? Uh, B. Strange says, I love Miracle. Interesting. Interesting indeed. But while I have a moment here, guys, we're going to have some more fun with this because we can ask this guy. Calling in on the show, and that we don't have a live line. No, I'm, I'm not going to hand out my phone number. But the guy jumping in on the live line here at World Hockey Report, he is a freelance broadcaster, the former voice of the Alabama Huntsville Chargers of the NCAA, Peyton Turnage. Peyton, how are we doing today, sir? Did you read my Twitter bio verbatim before you hop me on there? Yeah, well, no, because we no, I've had you on different shows 100,000 times in the past. Um, Peyton, actually, here's a great question. Uh, Jeff Nelson chimes in asking, why do they call it University in Canada and College of the United States? Is there any difference? No, Jeff, there's not. However, secondary school in Canada is high school in the United States. But no, of course I read your bio, Peyton. I have to do it every single time. I got to make sure I pump you guys up. But Peyton, what is your favorite movie of movie of all time? Just favorite movie, not hockey movie? Well, we, we could say hockey, but what is your favorite movie? And then we'll discuss hockey movies here in a second. No Country for Old Men. Ooh, hands down. That is a classic I, uh, with, with Tommy Lee Jones and, um, I can't remember who the guy that plays the bad guy. Oh my gosh. Help me out here, Peyton. Javier Bardem. There we go. Thank you. Oh, we also, gosh, I totally forgot to mention this off top of the show. Uh, Ray Liotta passed away today. You hear about that, Peyton? I sure did. 67 years old. My gosh. My goodness. I, it's it's crazy because I remember, of course, I remember him from Field of Dreams, Shoeless Joe Jackson, probably one of the greatest baseball movies of all time. And then, of course, Goodfellas and other movies and whatnot. But, yeah, certainly tough lot. It's certainly a uh, heartfelt uh, sent to the Leota family and all of his friends. Uh, Soda Pond says university is higher education. LOL. Soda Pond says Mystery Alaska, Slapshot and Goon. There you go. That's a good one, Peyton. Mystery Alaska, super underrated, if you ask me. 
I have not seen Mystery Alaska, I have to admit. Oh, my God. See, now we got to watch that when you come visit next or in a couple months here. We're going to bring Mystery Alaska up to up to Traverse City, and you're going to watch it. We're going to see the nice weather outside in Sutton's Bay, and we're going to watch Mystery Alaska. Well, you'll be happy to know I have Wednesday off that week, too. Oh, you got Wednesday. So you're, so you're telling me you're coming up early is what you're doing, right? Probably. Heck, yeah. All right, cool. Uh, Jeff, Jeff Nelson says they call JUCO a two-year school. Uh, talking about junior college. B Strand says, I love Buddy the Elf. That is a hey that hey, listen, if you go to the deleted scenes, Elf is a hockey movie. <laughs> there is hockey in Elf. Uh if you go you have to go to the deleted scenes for it though. But Peyton, while we have you on here, let, I would I want to get your thoughts here on the Colorado Avalanche. We're gonna talk about it a little bit more with Nick Elberg coming up in hour two. But you're Nashville Predators fan, you covered the Preds, you work for the junior predators of so the NA3, the old NA3 team. But what is your thoughts on the Avalanche? They lose last night. Huge collapse. Toronto Maple Leafs-esque collapse, if you ask me. But what is your thoughts on this Avs team? Is this something that's, you know, just a chink in the armor, a blip on the radar? Or is this the Colorado Avalanche collapse we've seen now for the last three years? This is a very front-loaded team. Very speedy, very heavy in their skating. But there's a bit lacking on the defensive side. There's definitely a difference between them and what you would see with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And so I think I was like everyone else. When McKinnon made it 4-3, the type of goal, the celebration and everything, you thought it was lights out. But here come the St. Louis Blues, who have been there time and time again. You know, they won the Stanley Cup only three years ago, and this group, relatively unchanged. It's really... You know, there's not much different in the in the club. And I knew the Avalanche were going to have their work cut out for them going into the series. I think I had the Avs winning in six because I knew St. Louis was going to put up that big of a challenge. And Justin Falk, my goodness. What a, ga- what a game, right? Like, that that, game. like, we all thought this guy was kind of second hat, old hat. But now all of a sudden he's back to being the number one guy that we saw in Carolina. He came in as Alex Petrangelo insurance and then... He turned out to be a worthwhile investment to the front of the net on the three, three goal. And then if he doesn't keep the puck in and the blue line right before the fourth goal, the fourth goal doesn't happen. There's no way. And that's the crazy thing too. Like showing, and first of all, it sucks that Jordan Cairo got credited with that goal. Cause it technically went off his stick glass. Cause it was Justin Falk that banged it in. But man, like this, the blues are a pesky team. And that's why I wonder what would have happened pay and had they not just completely forgot about the hockey game in game four and you know when they solely put their focus on Nazem Kadri why if they had played a hockey game in game four and not go after 91 for the Avs would we be talking about a 3-2 series that the Avs are leading would the Blues have had a chance to actually win that game well clearly they didn't put enough attention on Kadri because he still got a hat trick but the Blues for some reason have a hard time winning at home in the playoffs. If you think about the 2019 series against Boston, they might have won, I think, maybe one game at home in that stretch. Yeah, because they didn't win game six, yeah. You know, I think there was a lot made on the the Kadri thing in game four. Now, obviously, there's the stuff on the side that definitely needs to be addressed. But on the ice, um, you know, if you put the Kadri stuff aside, yes, they took some dumb penalties at some dumb times, but I still think the Avs were going to be primed to win that game regardless. Yeah, and I, I, you could tell Kadri was charged up in, in, a, in a good way as well, too, because 
we've seen it before. I mean, we'll talk about this with Alberta coming up. <laughs> like we've seen I, the red mist. We've seen him I lose tweeted. his mind and, and not yeah. be effective in the playoffs because of it. And this year, knock on wood, he hasn't done anything crazy dumb yet, but now we're seeing how effective a player he can be. That's what I tweeted the other night. I said, wow, this is what happens when Nazem Kadri is in the playoffs. I, it's, and that's is why, I mean, you get four points. It's probably, it was probably his best game of his career as well. But, you know, we're, we're going to be talking, like I said, about the Battle of Alberta later, too. What is your thoughts on the Battle of Alberta? Are you shocked that the Oilers are up 3-1 right now? Or do you think that's, you know, kind of well-deserved the way Edmonton's played in the last couple games? I thought Calgary was going to lock it down and play their team game. What we've seen all year long. One of the best two-way teams, if not the best two-way team this season. But Edmonton has come out and they have just been full gallop and Connor McDavid is playing out of his mind. And, you know, between Calgary and Edmonton in that rivalry, I usually take Calgary's side. But how could you not want Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl to go to the Stanley Cup final? They've put on a performance worthy of advancement. And I think, you know, you've probably talked about it. I'm not sure. I know a lot of others have. If the Oilers get eliminated in round two, I think you see history with McDavid winning the Conn Smythe Trophy despite not making it to the conference final or the Stanley Cup final for that matter. It, I Listen, I've, I've had this conversation. It's funny you mentioned that because uh, Merrick, Jeff Merrick, on the Jeff Merrick show yesterday, Greg Wyshynski and him talked about that, and I made the really good point of how in 2002, Peter Forsberg, who didn't make mm-hmm. it to the Stanley Cup finals, got knocked out in the Western Conference finals by the Hall of Fame Detroit Red Wings, led the playoffs in points despite not playing in the final series. And that there would have been a guy to do it. It certainly would have been him for sure. Speaking of the avalanche, of course, but yeah, McDavid's been great. And, and Mike Smith too, like the, for a guy that's had every awful goal, every fluky moment, every, Oh my gosh, what are you doing moment in his career, both playoffs and regular season. Here he is one year away night. from conference final, something he has not done in a decade. That's how long Mike Smith's been around kids. It's been a decade since he's been to the conference finals. He wore the old uh, Dallas Stars star jersey. That's how long he's been yeah, around he in the league. There he was. Didn't he? Was he? Was he Dwayne Rolison's backup too? In Tampa, I can't remember if they were on the same pair or not. Now I'm trying to That's think of question. how it worked because Dwayne Rolison was there because he wore. It was when they went to those weird blue and black ones in 08 around that time, and he had the all black pads. I'm sure it was him and maybe Matthew Garon. Oh maybe my on. gosh, the wrong hand at catching Garon. That's right. Yeah, but no, that was. Uh, it's crazy how the old he's been in the league. He's 40 years old. He's a man. He's 40. He's a man. He's 40. That's right, Peyton. That's right. Speak. We were talking about college football earlier. That's taking tight end, I guess. Imagine seeing a goalie let in a goal from 132 feet, and the next day you say, "You know, he's been great." <laughs> I mean, my goodness, well, shoot, you know, it's, it's funny because we'll talk about Andre Vasilevsky, but he just passed Chris Osgood for the most shutouts in clinching games, and Chris Osgood is looked at as one of the worst goaltenders of all time to win the Stanley Cup because in that 98 run, he allowed two goals from center ice, and yet he still is a Stanley Cup champion because of it. Like, he was still a big-time goaltender. That's that's how crazy goaltending can be sometimes. The reverse Cloutier, the reverse Dan Ellis. Oh, no, okay, the Dan Ellis one. I know you're still butthurt about night or 2008 there, but nobody was stopping that. Like, that was a Nikki Lidstrom special, okay? Skipping rocks off the pond, my friend. 
Well, okay. So the the funny thing that Nick Litstrom does here, and we only got a few more minutes. We got to go to break before we bring Kyle Bukowskis here. I've got about one more minute. Perfect, Kyle. So he what Nicky Litstrom used to do is he used to take those shots from from long range on the toe of his stick. That's why he was able to make it knuckle and do all that weird stuff and have it really skip over Dan Ellis. So he must have known what he's doing. He's only a Hall of Fame defenseman, Peyton. You know, as intelligent as that man was, I feel like, you know, his brilliance was wasted playing ice hockey. Maybe he could have cured cancer or something. He probably could have. And now he's going to try to help the Redlands get back to prominence. What a beautiful mind. What a great, and a great guy, too. Man. I've actually met him, too. He's a wonderful guy. Uh, we've been chatting up with Peyton Turns. He's got to go to work or whatever, and we got to <laughs> get... What? What are, you chap- what are you yapping about, Peyton? I said, hee hee. Oh, you're yeah. Oh, you're easy and he. Anyways, you go have fun at you know your job or whatever. I'm going to go have fun talking about other people, including Kyle Bacoskis. When we talk about the Battle of Alberta, more Peyton. Be sure to follow him, guys, at Peyton underscore Turnage. And if you know someone who has a hockey team that needs a broadcaster, call Peyton for gosh sakes. I'm not going to give him his phone number, but but yeah, Peyton, you're going to get a job, right? Uh, hopefully. <laughs> All right, Peyton. We'll talk soon, man. We'll see you in a little bit. All right, bye, Kelly. He said, Peyton said bye. Peyton said bye. Yes to you. Uh, but anyway, so like I said, thank you very much for Peyton Turnage for really calling in. He just texted me. He's like, hey, I'm not doing anything right now. You want me to talk? Because he was, of course, he jumped in the chat like all of you guys are. We got a lot of people jumping in the chat here on World Hockey Report today. Jeff Nelson saying that Blues comeback was special. What a game. Even though the Colorado broadcasters didn't think so, so much. The Basketball Podcast Network jumping in. Go WHR. Go TBPN. Jeff Nell says Tarasenko finally showed up. Yes, Tarasenko no show. Tarasenko show in the playoffs for St. Louis. Big monkey off his back. Like we said, guys, here in just a few minutes' time, Kyle Bacoskis coming up from Hockey Night in Canada as well as the Sportsnet ringside reporter. But guys, I got to remind you, if you're looking to add to that closet this summer, go check out 12OwnSportsRadio.com slash store for all of your World Hockey Report merchandise. From hats to hoodies, everything in between, 12OwnSportsRadio.com slash store as you covered with your World Hockey Report swag, swagtacular stuff. So, yes. Did you like the, oh, Jeff Nelson, did you like Cooper Alls? Absolutely not. I wasn't old enough. Thankfully, I'm not old enough to have remembered to have worn them, but literally they look like the most uncomfortable things ever. Like, they just didn't look fun. And I've played in, like, windsuit pants. I couldn't imagine playing in hockey pants that went all the way down to my legs. Those were, oh, those were awful for sure. We're going to... to Awful equipment. That would be a horrible thing. Uh, be sure to keep getting your questions in, though, guys, if you have any, because we got Kyle Bacoskis coming around the corner here, here on World Hockey Report on this Thursday. Like we mentioned, Nick Alberga in a little over half hour as well. We'll be talking about the Battle of Florida, the Battle of Alberta, the Leafs, the Avs, the Blues, Vasilevsky, goaltending. Well, Gritty. Gritty will somehow come up with Kyle Bacoskis for sure. All that and more coming up, guys, here in just a few minutes here on World Hockey Report. Thank you all very much for watching. Make sure you follow us, guys, at World Hockey RPT. As always, make sure you follow us at hashtag WHR as well when you get when you talk about today's show. Uh, by the way, finals, like we said, in the World Hockey Championships, Finland, Slova- Finland beat Slovakia 4-2, U.S. over Switzerland 3-0. So teams moving on to the semifinals in Finland, Canada, Czechia, Finland, and the United States. Four pretty good teams coming up, guys. It's going to be a fun little tournament there in Helsinki. We'll take a break, folks. When we come back, Kyle Bacoskis from Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet here on World Hockey Report.
Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save $20. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win.
Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's Stealing Cup playoff time in the NHL. And welcome back, everyone, here to World Hockey Report here on this Thursday edition of WHR. Big games coming up tonight. The Battle of Alberta, that's a big one. Canes and Rangers, that's a big one. Can somebody beat Carolina at home? We'll find out later on tonight. But first, I got to remind you guys that if you need a new hockey stick, all the big brands keep raising their prices. It's crazy. All these fancy sticks, you know, $300 for a twig these days. Well, I can tell you that there's one brand that you don't have to pay for that kind of big bucks. Pro Rock Hockey Sticks, a true Canadian company with real morals, offering players of all levels a top-of-the-line stick at a fraction of the cost. Lighter, more balanced, and has more customizable options than anything off the rack. Check out the family-run business today at ProRock.com. And now I am pleased to be joined by my guest here on this edition of World Hockey Report. It's certainly always a fun time to have him on. I've actually been able to talk to him in other shows in the past. He is one of the rinkside reporters for Hockey Night in Canada and Sportsnet. And if it had not been for Claude Giroux, he would probably be Gritty's best friend. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Kyle (laughs) McCoskis. Kyle, how are you doing today, sir? Good, Tyler. How are we doing? I am doing well. Uh, it's funny, you know, we were talking about losing power before, uh, during the commercial break there because a lot of people in the GTA is still without power right now from the big storms that happened in that area. In West Michigan, we lost power for just a little bit, thankfully. However, neither of us were, 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 were we, we weren't home, thankfully, I guess you can say. You were down in Florida covering the Battle of Florida. I was getting a tan like I was in Florida on the other side of the globe. But <laughs> I, I'm interested, Kyle, the Battle of Florida, you know, We were supposed to actually, folks, for full discretion, we were planning on having Kyle on on Tuesday. However, on Sunday, we found out that the Panthers were down 3-0 in the series and that Kyle had been traveling back. Like, Kyle, when you packed your bags and when you booked your your tickets to go down to Florida for this series, did you think you were going to be coming home so soon? No chance. No chance at all. Um, You know, watching the way Tampa closed out Toronto, I just thought even with... I knew it was going to be a tough challenge for them not having Braden Point. And, of course, you know, we didn't know he was going to miss the entire series. We still don't know how long he's going to be out for. But uh, I, I thought, you know, there was a team that's run it back twice that kind of reminded everyone that, hey, we, we haven't forgotten how to do this yet. And so I thought going in, you know, this was going to be quite the challenge for, for Florida, even though they were the President's Trophy winners. They found a way to come back after some – early adversity in the Washington series, uh, but a four-game sweep, you know, absolutely shocked uh, leaving there at, with the way they, they closed it out. Well, I should by that point, it felt like, yeah, I know this was kind of inevitable, but 
um, you know, going in, I certainly never would have, have guessed it. Uh, I just thought they got Vasilevskied on more than one occasion. And though the guys in front of him weren't perfect, uh, they were, you know, it was championship caliber execution at the biggest moments of, of each game. So uh, between all of that, uh, you know, you hear it all the time. You, know, you never want to waste a, a good goaltender's performance. Vasilevsky had four of them, and, and they didn't waste either of them. And so the Panthers, after a record-setting regular season, averaging over four goals per game, score three in a total of four games. Weren't shut out all year. They were shut out in game four to close it out. Um, not not the way I envisioned it going. Not at all. So uh, full credit to, to Tampa and uh, once again, another lesson for for the Panthers of just you know how much the game changes do, uh, come playoff time, and and just how hard it is to win, no matter how much success you have over the first eighty two games. And that's the crazy part too, because I you know just it was just a few years ago the Tampa Bay Lightning were in the same boat. They were this great regular season mm-hmm. team, Presidents Trophies, what have you, and somehow flamed out in the playoffs. But you mentioned Vasilevsky, and you know during that Toronto series, and we'll talk about the Leafs here in just a little bit, folks. But like. We thought Vasilevsky, I'm like, oh my gosh, he's mortal. He's mortal again. You know, the Leafs have a chance. I think he posted like, what was it? Maybe a nine, maybe a 900 save percentage in that series, if that. And then he comes out with a 981, Kyle, and he gets a shutout in game four, making him, giving him six series clinching shutouts, the most all time in NHL playoff history now. Is this guy, is he a first ballot hall of famer already. I mean, my goodness, I know he's still a young goaltender, but what he's done so far in the few years, he's been the number one guy in Tampa almost makes him one of the best to ever man the net in the NHL. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's fascinating because of what he's only what 25, I think now. So yeah, he's still got, you know, hopefully, you know, knock on wood that he can stay healthy so many years ahead of him uh, over the course of his career to only add to the the numbers that you've already laid out here. And so to me, yes, I think already he's, he's first ballot Hall of Famer, Tyler, because I think as we've seen the years go on in terms of, um, you know, how the, the Hall of Fame selection committee have gone about um, choosing certain people that have gone in. You know, I think about guys like Eric Lindros, uh, Paul Correa, who was a hero of mine when I was growing up, um, guys that, you know, didn't have the full careers that they probably should have had because of injury. But um, looking at, you know, just what impact they did have while they were at their peak, right? Like nobody had seen Eric Lindros before he came along. Um, Paul Correa was just an absolutely, uh, he was a magician on, on the ice. Like it was an art form to, to him when, when he was at his best. And, you know, you can imagine what kind of an impact he would have in today's game compared to when he played in the 90s. But right. my point is they looked at what they were at their peak and the impact they had on the game then. And they thought that's, that's a Hall of Famer. And so regardless, I think of what, Andre Vasilevsky does from here on out. You look at the impact he's had on the game to this point, two Stanley Cups, a Conn Smythe Trophy, and how clutch and automatic he is in, in closeout games, the biggest moments when the lights are the brightest, how he consistently gets results. To me, I think that's that, those are Hall of Fame credentials right there. And that's what, I mean, makes him great. He passes Clint Benedict and Chris Osgood, by the way, who each had five shoutouts. So this is my way of saying Chris Osgood for Hall of Fame. Lanny McDonald, if you hear me, <laughs> the show here on World Hockey Report today. Uh, but, you know, looking at it from the Panthers side of things, because we went to pretty in-depth with the Tampa Bay line with Matthew Estevez on Tuesday. But, you know, you, we saw a lot of the, the conversations during locker room clean out this past, in the past couple of days. And, you know, Andrew Burnett saying that he wants to come back as the head coach and Joe Thornton saying he's unsure what his future holds. Same with Claude Giroux, a couple guys they brought in 
to help this team, you know, maybe go over the hurdle here. And what is your take on the Panthers? Is this, you know, was this a year that they had to do it? Or do you think that, you know, even though Sasha Barkov's getting 10 million next year and Jonathan Huberto's contract negotiations are going to be starting here soon. What do you think is in the near future for the Panthers? Are they going to be this good again next year? Probably not averaging four goals a game well, next year yeah. would be my guess, but uh, who knows? I think that was a very unique season and, and, you know, Tampa, after they won 62 games, they weren't, you know, regular season wise, didn't have the same numbers, but they end up winning a Stanley cup. So that's not necessarily a, a bad thing, but you know, you're right. There's some interesting uh, decisions to be made here over the summer because this was a year where they pushed all their chips into the middle, the first round picks that they got rid of uh, being so tight up against the cap and making room to allow a guy like Claude Giroux to, to come on board here and uh, acquiring him at the deadline. Uh, I, I thought it was it was great, right? Like the whole point of, of playing this game is to win and, and they made moves to try to win and, and it didn't work out, which is, is too bad. And, you know, that's, that's kind of that, that's hockey, right? That's sports, uh, the unpredictability of it all. So, um, you know, you mentioned Barkov's number growing up. Uh, you meant, you know, Verhage, his number is going to go up to from one and change to now over four, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the space is tight. So somebody like Claude Giroux or, you know, a Ben Chirado they got as a, as a rental as well. You know, do you try to make something work with those guys or, you know, do you use those dollars and to try to find maybe a couple of pieces go bargain hunting, which they have been very good at for being, you know, one of those cases, Mason Marchman, another guy, um, you know, finding those type of players. I think about in Toronto with like a Michael Bunting uh, or a David camp guys you can bring in you know, on, on affordable deals that, um, you know, aren't just kind of there to, to fill a space and in, in the bottom six can actually have some sort of, of impact for you. Now, easier said than done. Of course, you have to have a good scouting staff and, and trust the guys that, that are in your front office there to, to make the right decisions there. But it seems like that's where, where it's kind of going because they've already have the, the big dollars allocated for with, with their, their top guys. And, you know, you mentioned what's upcoming with a, a Jonathan Huberdeau. So trying to find some bargain deals maybe around the edges that can help complement them in, in an impactful way. Um, you know, maybe that's the direction that, that they had. And, and, you know, what happens with Sergei Bobrovsky? Um, I know Elliot Friedman's talked about at least they had conversations about what it would look like potentially to, to move him. Um, if there is a suitor there, he's, you know, he comes with a big number as well. But, you know, that would be another conversation, of, of course, too, if they want to or if they believe that Spencer Knight is, is ready for a bigger role. Um, but to me now, I think like Toronto has kind of gone through here where um, so much of their their cap has, has gone to, to their, you know, three, four guys. Um, you got to find some bargain deals around the around the edges that, that can help uh, help your lineup. Yeah, no question about it. It's not easy, especially with the the fact that the cap is not really going up like it was before the pandemic. Obviously, COVID's kind of right. entered a few things for sure. Uh, shout out to Eli Project getting here in the chat, dropping us a couple dollars, saying, Kyle, the Vancouver Island legend, Kyle Vakaskis. Kyle, uh, Isha Jeromi, the founder of Hockey Podcast Network, says that Vancouver Island, which is where he lives, is the Hawaii of Canada. Yes or no? Yeah, I, I wish it got as hot and as consistent uh, there as, as it does Hawaii and it doesn't rain as often. But uh, in terms of, of beauty and just like totally removing yourself kind of from the rest of the world, uh, there's there's no better place. I'm biased. I fully understand that. But I have yet to meet someone that uh, visited you know uh, Vancouver Island for vacation or work, or whatever, that didn't have wonderful things to say about it. So I think I'm on to something. 
Oh, it must be. I, I told my wife, we went, like I said, we were in Mauritius last week, and I said, I'm like, the next one's going to be Vancouver. We're going to go to Whistler, Vancouver Island. We're going to do the whole shebang over there. So I'll be able to get let you know if I somehow find yes. a way to disagree with you. Um, but <laughs> going back to Tampa here, this is a lightning team, and I actually listened to your colleague show, Jeff Merrick's show today, and he talked with John Cooper. And it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, people analyze this team. They talk about it from the outside. But when you hear from the head coach itself, you know, John Cooper is a guy that at times has had his attentions with some of his players, Nikita Kucherov being one in particular. But this team has found a way over the past couple of years to de- evolve from the high scoring greatest show on ice to this defensive stalwart team that can score offensive weapons galore, but at the same time can play a style to help them win in the playoffs. And, you know, you were there, you saw game two, Hagel, Stamkos, Taranak all leaving the ice with pain, blood getting, have, you know, they got the Mr. Clean's, you know, magic sponge on Taranak's sweater. That right there, that game two, Kyle, for me, that felt like the point in that, in that series where I said, no matter how long this goes, Tampa's going to win this series because they know what they need to do to win. When you have, especially your captain, dang near breaking his foot blocking shots. Like that's what makes the lightning just so much better than even the best team during the regular season. Right. And I thought, you know, Andrew Burnett following game three saying that Tampa has more will and and desire than, than they do. I thought was uh, spoke volumes too. I mean, you know, pretty damning if you're a Panther player here and that you're like, ah, don't really love hearing that from our head coach, but he almost like, if you listen to it, like he didn't say it from like a place of anger or frustration. It was almost like matter of fact, like this is, this is who they are. They want it more than, than we do. And that's why they're up. They were up three, nothing at, at that point, because you see it on the ice. I mean, it was, it was evident. They, they mentioned, you know, no Braden point, uh, the whole series. It was one of their engines and they still found a way like game two, uh, Ryan McDonough led the team in ice time. Do you know who number two was for Tampa that night? Um, would have been Chernak. Uh, Hagel? <laughs> no, I can't remember who. No, it was Nick Paul. Nick Paul oh my was gosh. the second highest ice time for Tampa. He played legend. 23 minutes. A deadline acquisition uh, that was kind of brought in to help fill out their bottom six and rebuild that third line that was so so good for them. But um, he became, because they had to kill penalties that game, he was first over the boards for that. He took a number of, of key face-offs and... Um, is a guy now that, that John Cooper can can trust. Uh, so another you know, boon in the thought of the scouting staff to, to find him and, and to find a role for him. And I don't think that they, when they traded for him, they anticipated he would be playing that type of role come, come playoff time. But again, one of your top guys are out. Who's going to fill the void? Well, this guy that we got at the trade deadline, he's now ready to, to up his his role and and uh, and what he can contribute to, to the team and on a night like that. Like, I think, again, it's just... When you come into Tampa, there's a certain expectation of, of how they play and um, what's required to to win. And seems like over the last few years, whether it was you know David Savard last year they got at the deadline or Hagel and Paul this year, um, they all come in and, and understand that and and they buy into it. And I think that that speaks to the leadership in the room that, that makes sure that everybody's on the same page. Speaks to John Cooper for allowing the the message to get through, whether it's you know from his leadership group or from him. Um, and, and knowing kind of when, when to grind them and, and when to back off. 
whether it's as a collective or players individually and, and knowing their personalities really well. And I will say this. So following game two, I mean, you think about you know the legendary story in, in 83, right? After the, the Islanders beat the Oilers and Gretzky and company walking past the room afterwards and there was no celebrating. It was they're all icing, uh, you know, just from the pain and what it took for them to, to win again. So following game two, we're standing outside the hallway waiting to, to interview, you know, Ross Colton who'd scored with three seconds left to give them the win that night. And so... Players would come off the ice, they'd go in the dressing room, coach would come in, do the speech, and then the player would come out afterwards and, and we'd do the interview. And we've done that, you know, kind of set up countless times before, right? And so yeah. you'd stand outside, you'd see the coach come in, do his speech, you'd hear, ah, big, you know, rah, 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 great job, boys, effing right, let's go get him next time. And, uh, and then the player would come out. And I don't know, maybe it was soundproof walls in there, but I saw John Cooper walk in. And then the next thing I know, he walked out and like there was silence within the room. Like it was almost like just this matter of like you think about how thrilling of a win it was for them to get uh, the winning goal in, in the last couple of seconds of the third period. Every reason to celebrate and think we just took two on the road here. And it was like silence. It was almost like a business like matter of fact that, you know, great. We won one game, but we're here to win a series. And, you know, the, the machine just keeps keeps rolling for, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. It, it's it's a real privilege to watch and cover them and um it's it's phenomenal how they've kept this thing going 10 straight series wins it's insane and you know matthew estevez on tuesday i asked him like oh you have carolina or new york like who who would you rather play and he says at this point doesn't matter like the way tampa's playing like they are and they're going to be rest right it's going to be more dangerous who do you you know we'll, we'll get on the leafs here in just a minute before we wrap up with your Kyle. but what do you think about this series the canes can't win at home can't or they only or no they can win at home they can't win on the road the Rangers, I mean, who yeah. knows with Shesterkin? He's up and down this series. How do you think this series is going to end up? I wouldn't be surprised if we're staring at a Game 7 back in Carolina, right? Just the way things have gone. But it's been puzzling, right? Like the Hurricanes, a great team all year, and all of a sudden, you know, can't win away from, from PNC Arena. You know, I, I wonder if, you know, like the Ajos, the Svechnikovs of the world, I'm probably thinking that, uh, you know, within the, the coach's room there, they're going, you know, we'd probably love those guys to be, have a little bit more of an impact on, on the score sheet than, than, than they have in this series. But, um, you know, credit to the, the Rangers. I mean, there's something about, you know, like Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad duo that is, is so impactful for them. Like they, they really get it going when they're, when they're on things and, and tough to stop. And, you know, now you've got guys like, like Ryan Strom is a nice complimentary guy. And even, you know, Alexi Lafreniere for the struggles of a first overall pick the first couple of years, I think he's, he's really been noticeable. I found uh, through the first two rounds of, of these playoffs and what a great confidence booster for him to, to get some results here at this time of year. So all those things considered, I think, you know, they, they're, they're a young team still, I think the Rangers, but you, know, you see how, how many names are you looking like? Yeah, these are, these are some good players here. Like it's not by accident that they, I think, are a, a three, one deficit uh, against Pittsburgh. Now the injuries to their goaltending certainly played a, a role in that, but um, you know, I, I, I'm, Feeling that that Shesterkin's going to at least hold his ground here and give his his guys a, a chance after a wobbly start to the postseason. Um, so with all of that uh, considered, I think this is is going seven. Who ends up taking this one? I man, it's it's still a bit of a, a toss up for me. It probably should be Carolina, um, but you know that's the beauty of the playoffs, right? Like the, the what should happen, you know, seldom actually does. Well, Carolina will get their shot at a team that's over eighteen million over the cap. So there you go. I mean, that's probably what they're looking for. <laughs> If they end up going eight and zero at the uh, on the home side of things, before I let you go here, Kyle, 
you know, you follow this team all the time, and we got to talk about Toronto. I know everyone out west is going to probably, and everyone in Alberta, they, they want to hear about Calgary and Edmonton. We'll get to them later, folks. Don't you worry uh, here on World Hockey Report. But the Leafs, it seems like it's a much different feeling this season compared to last year because we were actually talking about a little bit about the Montreal comeback in an hour one, and that felt like a complete letdown. Utter disaster. The worst team coming in the playoffs, Montreal, and a falter completely. And no one ever expected the Leafs to do, even though they have all these playoff woes. This year, though, you lose the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions in a Game 7 where finally Vasilevsky looked like Andre Vasilevsky. What are your thoughts on this team here? Like, do they keep this group together? Because, you know, Kyle Dubas made it clear, you know, hey, we might have to make changes if we can't make it work, but it seems like they were just this close for making it work this year. Right. And the problem is they still didn't, you know what I mean? Um, I, I thought as that series wore on, you know, I was in high school when the, the Canucks went on their run in, in 2011, you know, living out on the West coast and remembering like the Blackhawks, you know, being the, the hurdle that they, they couldn't get past. And then they finally did right. Three nothing series lead. They blow it. It's a game seven. It goes into overtime and Alex Burrow's the hero. And then from there, it just seemed inevitable they were getting to the cup final. Um, and I felt that way about kind of Toronto, too. It was like if they can get past Tampa, you know, there was really nobody else in the East that I looked at and thought, man, they should really be concerned about, you know, potentially matching up against. Um, but they couldn't get it done. They were up 3-2 in the series. They were up in the third period of game six. And get it to overtime and let's, you know, that one slips away. And so you mentioned, you know, how Vasilevsky was a little bit more pedestrian earlier in the series. You have that opportunity where you score at least three each of the first six games, and, and you still can't put them away. So, um, you know, certainly I go back to the end of uh, the Montreal series and, and Brendan Shanahan uh, over a year ago having the line that, you know, there's a lack of killer instinct uh, within the within the group. And um, though I think certainly they were a much better team this year um, that were built to, to do much better in the playoffs. You know, when push came to shove, they, they still weren't able to. It was another, you know, one game win or go home scenario that, that they couldn't win. Um, so I can understand how like, Oh man, they're so close and uh, keep it all together. And, and honestly, as I was, my initial reaction was kind of feeling that it was like, Hey, like you just, you ran into a, a really damn good team that just wasn't quite ready to to stop winning yet. But I can also understand from a fan's perspective where it's like, you know, this is five, six years in a row of this now of, of another first round exit. Like how many more of this, uh, these types of results can we go through before you know something actually changes here? So, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be, would not be surprised if if there was a move coming this summer. You know what Kyle Dubas ultimately decides to do, I'm not sure, but you know something that that kind of shakes up, uh, you know what's kind of been the, the mainstay of of the Toronto Maple Leafs for the last six years. Um, it wouldn't be a huge shock to me. Just because I, I wonder if, just for the sake of, you know, your 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 stakeholders um, that are you know buying tickets, buying merchandise, and, and tuning in every night, that are going, okay, well, you know, we've we've got to change something at some point. Now, of course, you know, you don't want to get in the business of letting your fans kind of guide your decision making. Um, but I just wonder, looking back on another year where you had every reason to to move on and you couldn't get it done, do you got to say, all right, we've we've got to change something here? Um, that's kind of what I'm I'm feeling. But, you know, as we know, as the summer goes on, you've got to find a, a willing dance partner to, to make something happen that, that's, that's worth your while. So it's going to be a, a fascinating one to, to watch because, 
you know, there was, there was such, so much riding on, on them trying to get out of the first round. And I just remember, you know, being in that building after the final horn sounded in game seven, like it, it certainly didn't feel like it was a crowd that went like, oh man, I was just, it was a really good effort against a really good team. Like it was disbelief and, and just anger of like, I can't believe they did it again. So with all that considered, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would be more surprised if it was a, a quiet summer uh, on the Maple Leafs front. Well, it'll certainly be interesting, Kyle. I mean, well, for the record, I mean, people remember, you know, Toronto remembers what happened after the 2018 playoffs for the Raptors. They got rid of DeMar DeRozan and the coach of the year, and they oh, they only won the NBA championship. So maybe that happens. I, I, I have my theories on that. <laughs> but I, unfortunately, the salary cap in the NBA and the NHL don't really correlate. So we'll have to maybe have to do something <laughs> Uh, Donald, you're going to love this one, Kyle. Donald Weaver jumps into the chat saying the Toronto Maple Leafs are the Dallas Cowboys of the NHL. Good regular season team, but always fail in the playoffs. I'm not just thinking that's because they're both blue and white, right? <laughs> yeah, no. And, uh, but at least, well, the Cowboys have had their fair share of hardships during the regular season too, where it kind of gets a little wishy-washy. I mean, since, since after, you know, the Matthews and Marner rookie season, they've been felt like a lock to make the playoffs every year. And anyway, the postseason is is a different story. But yeah, again, I go back to Cooper's line of it's it's a different game in, in the playoffs. And uh, unfortunately for Toronto, they they haven't found a way to to find success there just yet. Well, let's hope they do it soon. Kyle, thank you very much for taking the time here on World Hockey Report. Be sure to follow him, guys, at SN Kyle Bacoskis. He Don't worry, he's not done working yet. He's got a little bit more to do. The playoffs still going along all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. He'll be there with Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada at SN Kyle Bacoskis on the Twitters. Kyle, thank you very much for taking the time once again, and enjoy the rest of the playoffs and the power in the GTA. <laughs> yes, yeah, hopefully uh, everyone's getting theirs, theirs back here soon, those that don't have it yet. So uh, this was fun, Tyler. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, we'll be back with more with Nick Alberga coming up here on World Hockey Report. Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team 
team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket purchase, sign up for SeatGeek and use promo code WHR when checking out. It's that simple on SeatGeek. When you use promo code WHR on your first purchase, you'll save Get ready to win with Billy's Smelling Salts. Billy's Smelling Salts are for gamers, athletes, and competitors alike who want to get in the zone. Us at World Hockey Report teamed up with Billy's, and if you use the promo code WHR when checking out, you'll save yourself some money. The highest quality smelling salts in the game and at the best price point if you use the promo code WHR on Billy's. Billy's Smelling Salts. Get ready to win. Hockey fans, the pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's Stanley Cup playoff time in the NHL. And if you want to save some money on your next ticket... And welcome back, everyone, here to World Hockey Report on this Thursday edition, May the 26th. We just talked about the games tonight, Carolina and the Rangers. We talked about one of the games tonight. We also talked about how the Tampa Bay Lightning are absolutely tearing through everyone now after finally figuring things out in the last couple of games of that Toronto series. But... We're going to talk about what's going on out west, what's going on in the Western Conference, including the Battle of Alberta. Game five tonight, Edmonton, Calgary, 
Can the Oilers get it done tonight? But do not forget, guys, if you want to get the best player tracking information for the Battle of Alberta, check it out on Quack Stats. Follow them on social media and go out and check out their website for more. So now, to talk about the Battle of Alberta is a guy that knows a thing or two about hockey in Canada. He is in the Mecca itself, but then again, people in Alberta think Edmonton is as well. It's obviously two very different parts of the country, but it certainly makes things very interesting for everyone involved. He is none other than freelance broadcaster of the National Hockey League, the golden muzzy himself. It's Nick Alberga. Nick, how are we doing today, man? I'm fantastic. What an intro, and I can't wait for, uh, for tonight's game. Uh, I, you know what? I went to the Michael Buffer School of Introductions, so I'm glad the money's finally paying off. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Put them over. That's what they say. Put them over, right? Putting the, kit, putting the, putting the wrestlers over. You got to make your make the big card ready to go here. Uh, yeah, let, let's get into this Battle of Alberta, Nick. This series, I'll admit, I'm going to make a lot of people in Edmonton unhappy, Northern Alberta unhappy here. I picked Flames in seven because I thought, you know what? The Oilers are good. McDavid's going to score, you know, 30 points this series, what have you. But eventually, somehow, Mike Smith's going to blow out and, and stuff like that. But here we are, Game 5 tonight, Edmonton up 3-1 because while Mike Smith looked like he almost blew it in Game 4, Edmonton still has a chance to go to the conference finals for the first time in 16 years. How did mm-hmm. we get to this point, Nick? Well, a big reason why is Jacob Markstrom, right? Calgary Flames, they signed this guy to make saves, and he just can't make saves right now. Like To me, that's the undersold story in this series, Tyler, is that Jacob Markstrom has really, really struggled. And I think moving forward, if Calgary has any chance or any intentions of winning this series, at least winning tonight, they need Markstrom to stand on his head. I mean, it's quite clear that Connor McDavid's having one of those signature Stanley Cup playoffs that we've been waiting for now with 25 points in 11 games. 11 points through four here against the Calgary Flames. He cannot be stopped. But in the same conversation, where are the big boys of the Calgary Flames? Uh, you know, Johnny Goodrow hasn't registered a point since game two. Uh, Matthew Kachuk has one assist in the last three games. Like, these guys have gone cold at the wrong time. So, um, you know, to answer your question, I think goaltending is the biggest reason why it's 3-1 Edmonton right now. Yeah, and that's and that's the big thing, too, because Marksham, I mean, he – while Jake Ottinger may have outplayed him and statistically, he probably was the best goaltender in the first round. Jacob Markstrom had to certainly hold his own for sure. Uh, shout out to Sean Butcher and Epic Plays jumping on in the chat here on World Hockey Report. But to that point, though, I mean, it just shows, I mean, you go down the laundry list. We were just talking about Andre Vasilevsky and how clutch he's been in the past three years for the Tampa Bay Lightning. You got to have a money goaltender in the playoffs if you want to hold that big silver jug over your head. Oh, without question. And again, when, when, when you're Markstrom and you're making that type of money, like this is why they signed you. This is why they went out in free agency and, you know, identified him as the guy that could put this team over the top and he's not making the saves, right? Like I was curious to see if Dan Vladar would be playing at some point in this series. And clearly we know where Daryl Sutter stands again. And I understand it. Like you're paying this guy all this money to be your number one. I think you want to put him out there in pressure cooker situations, but that's the most curious thing I'm looking at going into the game tonight, game five on home ice for Calgary is what kind of Jacob Markstrom are we going to get? Because uh, ever since, I guess, game seven against Dallas hasn't been the same guy. And I, you know, you mentioned the goaltending. We did talk a little bit earlier. You mentioned Kachuk and Goudreau here. And, you know, the, the conversation going into these playoffs, and I'll be honest, I had my doubts about Calgary even up against Dallas in that first round because I said to myself, I'm like, Listen, yeah, Johnny Gaudreau, he had a heart, he had an MVP caliber season, and Matthew Kachuk was great, but Johnny Hockey, he was old, like the old Kent Nielsen. He would disappear in the playoffs, and, well, he did pretty well. And then, of course, they had that crazy game one, 
where Kachuk, you know, by the power of his brother drinking Bud Lights up in the Reds yeah. at the Saddle Dome, he's up there and he's powering him to a hat trick. It's gone pretty quiet. And I, I can't say it's because Edmonton's changed their style. I just think, you know, maybe the Oilers are just outplaying Calgary. That's kind of forced Daryl Sutter to force his hand to try to get his team to play differently. What do you think? Honestly, I think Calgary's lost its identity, which is uh, very interesting to say, considering the regular season they had, where they had, you know, there were many, many people's picks to come out of Canada and be the, be, you know, be the top team in Canada, have the best chance of winning the Stanley Cup for the first time in 29 years. I think they've lost their identity. Like, even in the first round against Dallas, I, I didn't think Goodrow was great. I didn't think Kachuk was great. I know they elevated their play when it mattered most later on in the series, but I think they're still struggling to find that consistency uh, very, you know, similar to what we're seeing with Edmonton. You know, it seems like every night Evander Kane showing up, clearly McDavid and dry settlers, Zach Hyman, like the list goes on and on. Even the depth players seem to be involved uh, a lot more than these Calgary guys. And certainly I think in the, in the aspect of Johnny Goodrow, like this guy wants to get paid like the big boys in this league. I think tonight's a prime night to step up. And dare I say, this is his final game as the Calgary Flame tonight. Oh boy, hot take Alberga coming on in here on World Hockey Report. I mean, but to your, well, then again, if you ask Calgary fans, two years ago they wanted him shipped out of town, how he just could not yeah. do anything in the playoffs, especially in the bubble of 2020, where they had that really weird game six that saw them get eliminated against the Dallas Stars. I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. there's some Flames fans that saw PTSD from that game. But you know, I mean, Nick, you know how Calgary can be. It's a very passionate fan base there. The Saddle yeah. Dome is going to be rocking tonight. It, it's almost like. I don't, I don't think Calgary's going to lose tonight. That's the thing. Like, it just feels like, you know, last night I felt pretty heavily, no offense to a lot of our folks in the chat, I felt like St. Louis was going to lose last night. I don't have that feeling for Calgary tonight. I just feel like on home ice, they seem to have the advantage, even though they did split with Edmonton earlier in this series. Yeah, the only bone I would throw into that, you know, conversation is that Connor McDavid's on a different planet right now, right? Oh, yeah, like, I, I went over the numbers again today, uh, you know, with exception of game four against Los Angeles, he's notched at least two points in the other 10 games of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, it's, it really, really is insane what this guy's doing. So, I mean, the data suggests that you can bank on this guy getting a couple points at least tonight, which would worry me beyond belief from a Calgary Flames perspective. On top of that, believe it or not, Leon Dreisaitl has more points than Connor McDavid in this series. That's another concern. Uh, the way Evander Kane's been playing uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs is a concern. Zach Hyman's got five goals in this series. Like the depth scoring has really, really elevated. And it just seems, again, going back to the point, Calgary's lost its identity. I feel like it has, you know, they, they have minimal answers for what Edmonton is doing offensively. I think the offense will come in this game. I just wonder if we have another shootout. And again, ultimately, it's going to come down to goaltending. Jacob Markstrom, can he make those big stops when it matters? I just got a weird feeling. Like, I'm on Calgary, too. I put some money down on the flames tonight, but I, I got a weird feeling about this one. Yeah, it, it could easily go back to, we could go back to 1986 and have an 8-7 game with without a shadow of a doubt. Like, Mike Smith might allow a few in and whatnot. We could totally have that. But But let's get on the Oilers side of things here. This is a very, like we mentioned McDavid. You mentioned how, I mean, we knew he was probably the greatest player in the world uh, based on skill, but it's like, but playoffs, you know, he hasn't had that kind of experience. Hasn't made it out of the first round in now five years until this year, of course. But the addition of Evander Kane, Zach Hyman making every person in Toronto mad right now with, like I Mm -hmm. said, seven goals now in this entire playoffs, five in this series. And Leon Dreisaitl playing on one leg, still looking like the second or third best player in the world as well. It just seems like 
everything is coming together at the at, for Edmonton at the perfect time. Yeah, I agree. And that's something, again, we've been waiting for, uh, you know, myself uh, specifically over the last couple of years, when you have greatness in not one, but two forms of McDavid and dry settle, it was going to happen eventually. And you, you start to wonder if this is going to be the run. Now, ultimately, I think if they do land and, and play the Colorado Avalanche, it remains to be seen. The Avalanche haven't won, a, you know, a, haven't made it to a conference final in 20 years. So they got some work still to do, as we saw last night, as you referenced. I, I think it's an uphill battle. But again, considering how good their star players, their marquee players are playing, I think anything's possible. But to that point, I, I think the depth guys have made a lot of this possible. So while McDavid and Drysaddle will get a lot of the accolades, I think the depth guys, and if you want to call them quote-unquote depth guys, like Evander Kane and Hyman, even Ryan Nugent Hopkins steps up big last game. Oh, yeah. It keeps, it keeps the opponent, um, you know, on edge, um, you know, and, and, and it's like they can't focus all their attention just on those two guys because the rest of the guys are going to burn you. So ultimately, while, you know, they're sagging on guys like McDavid and Drysaddle, it's opened up time and space for Vander Kane and Hyman and those types. So I think we have to really, really commend the, the depth complementary pieces, if you want to call that for Edmonton, because I think they've really, really stepped up. And you can't forget, like, some of the injuries that some of these guys are dealing with right now, too. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I remember when I was talking with Jack Michaels before the playoffs. Evander Kane was, I think, fourth or fifth in the team in scoring during the regular season. Oh, and he only played yeah. half the games. Like, that's how of an immediate impact Evander Kane was. But then again, we all knew Evander Kane was a great player. But, you know, it's it's hard, you know, flipping it over here to the Colorado series because you mentioned them. And yeah, they were another team, you know, that seemingly I say they have taken the Washington Capitals slash Tampa Bay Lightning banner of really good team in the regular season, great offensive weapons, pretty good goaltending for the most part, but have not been able to get through the second round. And I don't know. After last night's game, I like I said, I could have sworn the three nothing. McKinnon was bowling over everybody, being the rhinoceros that he is. How does this is the seed of doubt planted there in Colorado's locker room, or do you think that this group has, I guess, gotten older enough and maybe a little more experienced enough to say, "Hey, calm down, we can do this." What do you think? How could it not be, right? Like, you know, I, I sent a text to Mark Moser last night, who's the TV voice of the Avalanche, and he didn't respond because obviously he's feeling a bit. But I said Colorado Maple Leafs because it really has that feel where <laughs> the Maple Leafs to are allergic. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's why he ghosted me. But the Leafs are allergic to the second round, and Colorado is allergic to the third round. Like, I think it stuns a lot of people to realize that Colorado hasn't been to a conference final in 20 years, considering how good, how strong this team has been for, especially the last five, six years to know that statistic, I think it's, uh, it's pretty earth shattering. Um, you know, I will say that I, I, they have a different tone, a different feel to them this year. Now, granted, they're playing a really good team. I've been on the St. Louis Blues since November. I really like that team. Nine plus 20 goal scores. But let's be honest, uh, their better goalie who's playing right now is not playing in this series in Jordan Bennington. Billy Husso has averaged about four or five goals against for the last five games. Like, right. I think if you had to take one side, it's going to be Darcy Kemper. I think you look at his body of work throughout his career, throughout the regular season, I could probably bank on him having at least one more good game than I can on Billy Husso, considering the numbers and considering the weapons, right? Like, McKinnon was great. Rantanen's got another level, I think. You know, Nazem Kadri was pointless. Like, everything went in a way, I think, of St. Louis in the second half of that game. So that in lies the question, could this be a rallying moment, a rallying point for St. Louis? Yes. But I do think Colorado's a different team this year, and I'm just not sure 
the Blues, from a defensive standpoint, will stick with them for two more games. That Yeah, that's the hard part, too. And yes, game six tomorrow is in St. Louis, so you could give them the advantage there. But yeah. you're right. Huso, obviously, yes, he was the number one goaltender. But then again, a former Colorado goaltender, Philip Grubauer, also started for the 2018 Capitals. So obviously, yeah. goaltending can change. And the perennial number one was Jordan Bainton until he got knocked out. I want to get your thoughts on this here. We talked, we we went into it a lot on Tuesday, obviously, because that was our first show of the week after the weekend. That was Nazem Kadri. The what the the disgusting messages, the yeah. you know, horrible abuse that he took. No one should ever ever get that, whether it be on social media, in person, whatever. It should never be the case. But the fact that he just decides to go out and probably has the best game of his career. And pretty much, and then goes on TNT after saying, hey, sorry, guys, it it doesn't affect me. Like, that's the, that is not the Nazem Kadri that we saw get chipped out of Toronto in 2019. Because remember, those those back-to-back playoffs, he was getting suspended in those series against Boston, and that's what ended up sending him to Denver. And this Nazem Kadri all of a sudden looks like the Nazem Kadri Toronto wanted four years ago. Yeah, I think it's a sign of maturity for sure. Uh, you know, I first off want to say that personally, it turns me off sports when people get personal with racism and all that. Like, it's ridiculous to me. And honestly, yeah. I had a terrible feeling in my stomach that night and continue to do so where it's like, why am I even watching this BS anymore? Right. Because like, I find like sports in general is a release. It's to get away from the actuality and the real life, you know, problems that we, we deal with. And then people turn it personal. Like it's, for example, like being in the media, when you get a hate, you know, a hate tweet or something like that, or somebody really comes after you for your appearance, it's the same conversation, right? Whether it's r- racism and obviously it gets to another level. I just think there's no spot for it in life in general, no, never no. mind sports. So I, I was disgusted from that. I love the reaction, um, you know, in, in the hometown crowd in, in Denver. I was a little disappointed with the reaction from the St. Louis Blues organization. Uh, but good on Kadri. Like, I've, I've watched this guy play since his days with the London Knights way back to his Kitchener Ranger days. Like, the guy's matured beyond belief and more times than not, that does happen in professional sports. And I'm happy for the guy. Like he had an exceptional year. I think he's well insulated and I think he's obviously going to get the bag in free agency, unlikely to be with Colorado. And he's been a difference maker. I think we all knew that about Nazem Kadri. And I think the most important aspect is that he is not tiptoeing the line. Now knock on wood on that front. Cause he always seems to get suspended in the Stanley cup playoffs, but he's tiptoeing the line. He's playing with fight. He's playing with edge and he's clearly getting to his opponents. He's been fantastic. And it's an incredible because I mean, it's my, he's my, he's my wife and I's favorite player. I love Naz when he yeah. first came up and I remember how I, that's why I was never a Brian Burke fan because Brian Burke kept pushing him and keeping him down with the American league when I thought he could have moved up all. Of, and that was, my gosh, that was like 10, 11 years ago. Nick, I'm getting old. It makes me feel old. longer like than that. I remember ago. those days too, but I, I mean, it seems like they made the right decision. He's turned into a pretty good player. No, just just a little bit. I mean, my goodness, he's gonna get. Well, he's gonna get more than what Nathan McKinnon is making now. Now, granted, Nathan McKinnon yes. is gonna probably make thirty-five million dollars a year. He's gonna get like LeBron James <laughs> money here in a little bit. Like that goal last night, Nick. Nothing against St. Louis Blues and their comeback win there, but that goal in the third period, I really said to myself, "All right, Colorado's moving on. They finally got over the hurdle." Like that's. Yeah. It might be one of the greatest goals in playoff history to not result for a team winning. Like that's, what's so crazy about that goal last night, the end to end goal. 
there's no doubt like this guy didn't drink last night but he probably woke up with a hangover like how do you not feel sour after the performance you put up six shots on goal a hattie four points just undressing everybody on the ice including the usher in section 320 and you still lose um it's got to be a rallying moment for the rest of that roster like and that's the biggest misconception and difference i would say from like a nathan mckinnon with like lister star who's been unable to win in the stanley cup playoffs he always seems to show up like the numbers speak for themselves he dominates in the stanley cup playoffs and has for the last couple of years it's just sort of the guys around him who can't elevate and score those big time goals so there is a bit of a misconception um you know i, I would love to see this guy win first and foremost uh, this team is really really good I think it's important to stress that like Colorado is at its highest power right now. I think due to the salary cap, you mentioned it, this guy uh, will sign a new contract very likely this summer with the Colorado Avalanche. He's one year away from UFA. So, you know, he's going to take up some big time money. Ranton it does already. McCarr, um, I don't think they'll be able to re-sign Kadri. They're going to be stripped of a lot of their depth. Burakovsky's another guy. Like the list goes on and on. So obviously they know what's at stake here and certainly uh, McKinnon's a big reason why they're in this situation. And ultimately, it might come down to McKinnon just continuing to do his thing because it seems like nobody else wants to pull their weight right now. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, sometimes that's when you see the best players really step up. When sometimes when not everyone's pulling their weight, the best will step up for sure. Uh, Sean Butcher says, Go Avs. Jared Jorgensen says, Go Flames. Go talk about the Battle of Alberta. Is there a more, actually, one last thing on McKinnon here. When I saw him rush that puck up, because like, you know, Cindy Crosby, the two Cole Harbor boys, he's a very strong man as well. Am I wrong to say that when I see Nathan McKinnon skating at me versus Cindy Crosby, I'm more scared of Nathan McKinnon? Am I wrong yeah. to say that, Nick? No, no, no. I, you know, I think it's the power. Like, I, I think the one thing that sets McKinnon apart from most players in the league is that he seems to get faster with the puck, which is very unnatural. Usually you're faster without the puck. And there's select players in this league McKinnon being one, obviously nine, number 97 in Edmonton along the same lines. He's probably faster. But that's the one thing I always gather when I watch Nathan McKinnon is the gallop, the hop to his step that he seems to increase when he gets the puck and speed up as opposed to the opposite, which is likely the case. Because you're thinking about a couple of things that, you know, once it's skating, the, the puck on the stick, it's a lot different of a mentality. And he seems to get stronger and better. But yeah, like the skating really, really sticks out for me where you know, he's so elusive, so shifty with his hands. And um, I honestly feel like there's no comparable right now to Nathan McKinnon in this league. Like, he's really on a different planet in terms of the way he plays the game and his style. And that's why people love to watch this guy play. Yeah, I mean, Connor McDavid's an amazing player, but it just seems like Nathan McKinnon gets the puck and sometimes he just says, I'm going to shoot this thing. I don't care where it is. And it's probably going to go in because I'm Nathan McKinnon, the rhinoceros on skates. Uh, you know, we've been chatting up here with Nick Alberga. Nick, you know, we, you know, you're a busy guy. Got a lot of awesome stuff going on here. But before we let you go, I got to ask you. We're obviously we might be leaning a little towards Colorado here. Sorry, a couple of guys in our chat right now. <laughs> hockey boy being one of them here. But who do you think's in the finals? I mean, yes, we look on the East. We see Tampa beating the heck yeah. out of the President's Trophy winners, and then over here we see Colorado. But we see this Battle of Alberta, which we don't know how it's going to end, even though it might be Edmonton tonight. Who are the two teams that you picked to be in the Stanley Cup Finals? So I should preface by saying in the preseason, uh, my bracket had Colorado and Carolina in the Stanley Cup Finals. So in fact, going into the Stanley Cup playoffs, I've stuck with that. Although my confidence is starting to waver with Carolina, the fact that they can't win on the road. They're 6-0 and as we speak right now at home, 0-5 on the road. And then on top of that, their number two is playing and it's not Freddie Anderson. Although we know what Anderson's numbers are in the playoffs, he really, really seems to struggle when it matters most. Uh, I, I just... You know, I start to wonder 
who's going to, is Carolina or New York, the Rangers, you know, who has the better shot of beating Tampa? And right now, if you're to ask me, I know it's 2-2 and I know I picked the Canes in six. It's probably the Rangers. And the biggest reason why is the goaltending aspect, right? Igor Shostorkin against Andre Vasilevsky, number one and two, I would say, in the NHL in terms of goalies. You have a better chance of being out goaltended in that series as opposed to like an anti-Ranta uh, going against Tampa. So, you know, I look at it that way. I think ultimately Tampa is just too hot right now. Vasilevsky in general is just way too good. Like the numbers speak for themselves when he loses. Uh, he just bounces back with a win. So I do foresee a pass, and I think it would be so great for the game, quite honestly, if it was a Tampa and Colorado Stanley Cup final. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, again, my, my support has wavered a tad for Carolina. I still could be behind them. We'll talk in a week's time. But I think Col- I, I still feel Colorado is going to win the Stanley Cup. They're just a different team. There's a different mood around them. I think Darcy Kemper is better than he obviously led on in losing the last game against the St. Louis Blues. And they got just too many studs. The power play is too strong. And they have Kale McCarr. So I, I'm going to stick with my preseason pick at Colorado. That That's not a bad pick. I, I was skeptical because I'm like, oh, can they actually get past the second round? But you mentioned yeah. Carolina at home. They're undefeated at home. And if they can do it, they have the higher seed against Tampa. So who knows? If they if if you don't lose at home, I mean, I guess it's not the worst thing because as long as you don't lose, right? Yeah, well, I mean, again, in, in that aspect, if they're going to play Tampa, that would mean they'd move on to the Stanley Cup final. But I just, I don't know about their depth scoring, right? Like, and I, I know New York's known for its defense, so is Carolina. But the fact that we speak here today and Carolina's got six goals in four games frightens the hell out of me, especially when you start to compare them to, to what Tampa can bring in the top six, even what the Rangers can bring in the top six, Colorado, St. Louis. I just think Carolina's depth is a, is a tad under those teams. That'll be, it'll be a crazy series. I think it's going to go seven. Kyle Bacoska said right before we had you on here, seven as well. Game five, though, tonight, seven o'clock Eastern time, five o'clock Mountain time, Carolina, the Rangers. And of course, tonight, the Battle of Alberta, 930 Eastern time, 730 local time, puck drop at the Dome in Calgary, the Flames and the Oilers. The Oilers can get it done tonight. We've been chatting up here with Nick Alberga, the Golden Muzzy, at the Golden Muzzy, guys. That's why I keep saying it, because you got to follow him on Twitter to get the best and latest fantasy and betting knowledge of the National Hockey League. Nick, thank you very much for taking the time, man. Busy guy, awesome guy. That's what you are. Thanks again, man. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Take care. That was Nick Alberga from Freelance Broadcasting of the National Hockey League. Sorry we didn't get to get all of your questions. I know we got a lot of great chat here on World Hockey Report on this Thursday. We'll wrap things up here in just a few minutes. But I got to, let's see, let's look. There was an interesting conversation I have to go back to. If you guys are still on there, Epic Plays and Sean Butcher, we're getting into tackies. Tackies like that weird, like, snack or whatever. Um, I don't like tackies at all. So that'll be the end of the conversation there. (laughs) Um, But Sean Butcher, the peanut guy, yep, peanut butter guy, he's in there as well. Liam Wolf, how you doing there, friend? Sorry I didn't get to say hi to you earlier. Hope you're doing well. Good to see you jumping in the chat as well. And for all of you that jumped in the chat here on this Thursday edition of World Hockey Report, we'll be back Tuesday, of course. I'll be back on Tuesday. A couple cool guests possibly lined up there, too. We'll have to wait and see. Back at 1 o'clock local time, 3 o'clock Eastern time for that as well. We'll be seeing who uh, who made it through. Well, let's say, would we have games? Game 7 would be Monday night in the... What, yeah, the series... Well, all the... Yeah, we'll have the conference finals on Tuesday's show. So that'll be very interesting and very fun as well. Cause I was trying to figure out, I'm like, how exactly where, where would the, where would the show be? I was trying to figure out exactly where, like what time it would be at. Cause I'm like, wait, if game six of Colorado St. Louis on Friday, that means Sunday would be game seven. And then of course 
Game five is tonight for Edmonton and Calgary. Same thing for the New York and Carolina series. That would also be Monday night as well. So by the time we talk next week, talking the conference finals, guys, four teams are left. Who will make it to the finals? We'll talk about all that and whatnot when we get to that point. Thank you all very much once again, though, for watching and listening as well. If you're listening on the podcast forum, how you listen? Well, I can tell you how. If you missed any part of the interviews today, that's okay. If you missed our weird conversation with talking about, who were we talking about earlier? We are talking about my wife and our favorite songs and whatnot. Talk with Peyton Turnage as well. We talked with Kyle Bacoskis. And of course, as you just saw, Nick Alberga. If you missed any of those, that's okay. Don't panic. You can also watch on demand, whether it be at World Hockey RPT on Twitter, at 12 Ounce Sports on Twitter and Facebook, the Hockey Podcast Network on YouTube, all those places. Check them out. You can watch on demand there. Or if you're busy, like some people, always on the road, always working with your hands and out in the yard or whatever, and you only can listen to podcasts, that's okay. The Hockey Podcast Network helps us out and puts out the audio podcast version every single night for you guys. Gets it up in time, too, before the games as well, so you can quickly listen to this program before we drop the puck on the night's action as well. Big shout-out to Romy and the guys out there in Vancouver Island, the Hawaii of Canada, as we talked with Kyle Bacoskis earlier. So like we said, folks, thank you all very much once again. Be sure to follow us at World Hockey RPT. You can follow me, the insider of the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, at TJKU29 on the Twitters as well, and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and yes, I have a TikTok myself. Haven't posted in a while. I've been very busy, and sometimes, you know, if you want to post one of those good TikToks, like the ones people see all the time, they're like, oh, these are so great. It's very time consuming. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble when I say that. They can be a lot. Like, you know, creating like a vlog is one thing, but doing like a, even a 30 second TikTok and like getting all the effects in, it takes a little bit. So please understand that for, for whenever you post, even TikToks at World Hockey RPT as well. We'll see you all on Tuesday, guys. Enjoy tonight's games. Enjoy the weekend's games. And like we said on Tuesday, conference finals action. It's going to be so much fun. Thank you all very much, guys, for watching once again here at World Hockey Report. We'll see you on Tuesday.